Now, for many of you, uh, Steph and I know many of you, but for, for some of us, we don't know each other very well. Steph and I have been here at IFC for uh, six and a half years, and we've been the lead pastors now for seven months. And, and, and I think that sometimes, thank you, thank you. Sometimes you have to have those get-to-know-each-other meetings. And, and since we can't have you all over at our house today, I thought we would just have family gathering today. I want to open up our heart. I want to share a little bit about who Steph and I are and kind of our beliefs on family. Everybody say family. family. We're wrapping up family month today. And today I want to talk about the values of our families and why it's important to have values. Everybody say values, values. are important. Values. Steph and I both grew up in Christian homes her in Texas, me in central Illinois, and then later on I finished high school in Alabama, and so we're both Southerners, kind of in that Bible Belt area, and we grew up in, where's all my Southerners? My wife is trying to find her cowboy boots this morning, because she wanted to represent the nation of Texas this morning, (laughs) but they're somewhere in a box in the basement, so I didn't give a shout out to Texas, baby, but there you go. But we grew up in Christian homes, and it was very evident to us growing up that our parents had values. Everybody say values. Steph and I both grew up going to church on Sunday. It wasn't an option for us. For me and my family, I was in church on Sunday morning, and then we went to church what was crazy on Sunday night. Like we were those radical people that went back to church, and then we went back on Wednesday, and then as kids, my mom would drag us on Thursdays to the women's Bible study. And then on Saturdays, it was the men's breakfast. So man, like four days a week, I grew up in church. I I don't know any other place to sit than on the front row. My parents were church planners. They were pastors. And so our life was revolved around God's word being a priority. A priority was a value. We both grew up with parents who, before we went to bed, they read the Bible to us. We learned stories of little ages about David and Goliath and the power of of Gideon. We learned about Samuel and Saul and David. We learned about these heroes of faith at a little age. It was the values of our parents to teach us who God's heroes were for us to look up to. We both grew up with one night of the week being family night. Everybody say family night. You know, family night, I don't know if it exists anymore. I pray that it does. But family night for us, it was popcorn and games. Sometimes it was that night where we got to eat something we normally don't get to eat, you know, like ice cream, you know, treats. Any sweet tooth people in the house? Just a show of hands. How many of you love ice cream? Now, Now put those down. Now, how many of you like, you love ice cream? Like it's hard for you to go to the grocery store and see Richardson's on the shelf. You feel guilty passing it up. And your wife's like, we already have a big cart. And you're like, well, it's, it's not full. We should get another one. So that was like family night for us. Sometimes we would go to Dairy Queen. We've called the DQ. Anybody like Dairy Queen? I got a bone to pick with Dairy Queen in New England, though. It's closed during the winter. What the heck, man? People still need ice cream even though it's cold outside. I still want that dip cone with the crunch stuff. But we used to go to Dairy Queen on Friday nights and we would get the, the family meal. You got a cheeseburger, fries, and a, and, a, and a thing. And then you got a token, a silver token. Remember that? And you'd take it up and they would give you an ice cream cone. We grew up in, in families that, that valued the actual family. We grew up in homes where the word of God was taught. We both grew up confessing God's word and having parents that prayed over us. Family values that our parents put into us we're now putting into our kids. 
Listen to this. Family values are, are values that are passed from one generation to another generation within the family that, that pertains to maybe the family structure, the function of a family, the roles and responsibilities. It, the family values reflect our beliefs, our attitudes, and our ideals. And I want to tell you this today. You need some family values. Thank you, JC. It's important that in 2022 that you set some boundaries and some parameters and some guardrails so you end up leading your family to God's perfect plan and vision for their lives. I want to tell you this right here at the beginning. God has a plan for your family. And God has a vision that was created long before you were born and a purpose for your family to fulfill right now in 2022. Everybody say vision. Is important. And every one of us, and someone would say, Well, I don't have kids. I'm 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 single. Listen, get a vision for your life before you get married. I see so many young girls that have values and then they don't they they let them go when they meet a man because they're not his values. Listen, ask God to give you values now as a single person. That way, when you meet that knucklehead and he says, Well, those are crazy values, you can say, No, no, you're crazy. This is what God's word says about my life. Values are non-negotiables, by the way. I said they're the non-negotiables. These are the things that hold us and steady us. So, so let me give you a few reasons because you need to know why. Everybody say why. why. Why do we need family values? Number one, they establish the foundation. They establish the foundation, the, the bedrock, the groundwork. I want to, I'm going to give you some stuff today, so take your phone out or take your pen. I want to give you some notes. Number one, they establish the foundation, but they also help us influence decision-making. If you don't have a value, you won't know how you feel. My grandmother told us growing up, she said, Josh, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for... Oh, you had the same kind of grandma that I did. What was she saying? You need to have some values because there will come a day where you have to make some decisions and you need to make those decisions based out of the values that you've placed in your life. Values also provide guidance for raising our children. They provide protection from outside influences. You know, I've learned that my son can go to school and come home and tell me what's right and wrong now. He goes to school and he said, well, Mr. So-and-so said X, Y, and Z. And I said, well, Mr. So-and-so ain't your daddy. He may teach second grade, but daddy says in this house, this is what we do. It will help us to raise our kids when you have some values. And here's the other thing. When you give them the values, they won't feel so quick to give them up at the face of pressure. Values are important. Values provide protection from outside influences. They also give, our mean, they give meaning and purpose to our families. I think it's important that our kids know and that our spouses know we're not just existing, that we've been created with a purpose and that God brought Steph and I together for a purpose, for a destiny. And he gave us these children as gifts of, of, of a reward, it says in the Bible, of his heritage and his legacy. And so if he gave them to us, they have a purpose. Listen, your husband or your wife is not just for a roommate. You are brought together for a purpose. Everybody say purpose. They help us guide in our relationships. Listen, within the family of God, we're also instructed to live by godly values that he placed. 
If you've been in the Old Testament at all, there's a book called Exodus. And in Exodus, we find the story of Moses. He went up to the mountain and he came down with some tablets. And on those tablets, he wrote some values. Everybody say values. And these were values or commandments for the children of Israel to live by. They were doing their own thing. They were wandering. They were being rebellious. And he said, hey, I want to give you 10 guidelines for your way of living. And if you'll live this way, you will enter the promised land and you will succeed in everything that I've called you to succeed in. And then we find in the New Testament, Jesus in the book of Matthew, he gives a few more commandments. He's being pressured by some folks. And in Matthew 22, they say, teacher, What's the most important law of Moses? Basically, which one of these 10 is the most important? And he replied, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. For this is the first and greatest. Everybody say greatest. It's the greatest commandment. But then there's a second that's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the entire law, all 10, all these demands of the prophets are based on these Two commandments. So which one's the most important, Josh? Love God, love people. The truth is, is if you love God and you love people, you fulfill all the other 10. Say it with me. I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people and I'm going to succeed. These are God's values. How should a Christian live different than someone that's not a Christian? There should be a differentiation. There should be some fruit in our life. What is it? It should be the love of God and the love of people. I love looking around here today because what we have here is not normal. All these nationalities worshiping together. In most terms, these people wouldn't, you wouldn't gather with everybody else outside the house. But because we value the same things, we understand that God wants to unite us as his family. And I'm going to tell you this, as long as we love God and we love people, this house is going to continue to grow. Your neighbors are going to be one to the Lord. Your friends and family are going to hear the good news. Why? Because we've chosen to put God first and we love everybody. So today I want to open up my heart, share a little bit about Steph and I. We have a core list of values that we believe in and that we are using as our parameters for raising our family. And I want to challenge you. I want to give you some homework this week. I want you to take some time and write down what your family values are. For some of us, we have unspoken values. Like you'll hear somebody say some cliche, and be like, oh yeah, we, we live by that too. My grandmother taught us that. And that's good here and there, but when you have a list of the values that you live by, now you can walk out those values and fulfill the vision for your life. The first value that Steph and I have put in, in, in our playbook for our family is our lives are anchored. Our lives are anchored. It's a core value. We're going to live by faith. We trust in the word of God no matter what happens. Say no matter no matter what happens, we're not going to be moved by situations or circumstances. We've chosen this as the first core value for our family because if the word isn't first, everything else does change. And I want to encourage you, one of your core values, one of your top values should be something about your connection to God's word because it is your roadmap. It is your guidebook. It is your foundation. Matthew 7 is a great verse that I've loved to, to read and study over the years. It said, these words, God's word, he said, I speak them to you. They're, they're not incidental. They're not accidental. And they're not just additions to your life. 
He's saying these aren't just nice words to make you feel better and to get more stuff. They are foundational words. They are words to build a life upon. And if you work these words into your life, you are smart. Everybody say, I want to be smart. smart. Said so the rain poured down, the river flooded, the tornado hit, but, but nothing moved that house for it was fixed to... It was fixed to my feelings. That house stood because it was fixed to somebody that we trusted really well. That house survived because it was fixed to to a great economy with a great president. It was fixed to the one thing that never changes, the rock of Jesus Christ, the written word of God that came from, from heaven to earth to be our example. It's the only thing that doesn't change. Steph and I met in Oklahoma, and in, in, in Oklahoma, they have these things, they're called tornadoes. Anybody ever been in a tornado? Like, tornadoes are crazy, because when you're in a tornado, you, you're supposed to go to the lowest part of the house and stand in the door frame, because that's going to be the strongest structure, but when the tornadoes come by, it feels like everything's about to just to blow loose and just come off. Steph and I were in Tulsa a few years back, it was Gosh, 15, almost 20 years ago when an F4 came right through and it went to Oklahoma City. You could see it was like a trench digger. It dug like a two-foot trench in the ground. And we were at a, at, a, at a hospital. We had gone to gain shelter at a hospital. And even though that building was made of stone, it felt like everything was going to come loose in that moment. But I knew. I'm not worried about the building. I'm not worried about myself. My life is anchored to the rock. A foundation that you should have is when the storms come, you're okay because you've set in motion, you've put in place a value of God's word is first. When my wife was six years old, she was sick and taken to the doctor and they diagnosed her with leukemia at six years old. And what would have rocked most people and shaken most people It anchored her family because they already set the core value of no matter what happens, no matter what's been said, God is our anchor. His word is true. And I'm going to say this to you. I'm grateful for her parents that had a value in their life before the storm comes. Listen, it's too late after the storm comes to build a foundation. You need a foundation of God's word first so when the storm does come, when the wind does blow, when the rain pours down, you can know, hey, 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 it's all good. That's all going to change, but God never changes. When the doctor's report gives you something that you didn't want to hear, know that you're anchored. When money was tight for Steph and I, we knew that we couldn't pay our bills, but we knew that God was going to be our provider because we anchored our life to the word. For some of you parents, your kids are rebellious and they're running from God. You need to get anchored and know that your values are anchored in the word. And the Bible says, train up a child. Oh, in the way that he should go. And when he's, where's all my word people? When he's, guess what? He won't depart from it. And he may be running now, but the word says he's coming home. I said, he may be out, she may be out right now, and they're doing their stuff. But the anchor of the word says his word was placed as a seed in their heart. It's the incorruptible seed. And guess what? Our children will live out their purpose. Our first value, uh, first value for our family is the Roberts tribe is anchored. Number two, a second value that Steph and I have placed in our home for us and our kids as we are pioneers, not settlers. Yeah. 
This speaks to our core value of adventure. We are pioneers, not settlers. The Roberts tribe believed that life is to be lived, not endured. We believe that we're not here just to, to, to get through life. We're here to make an impact in life. If I have to stay here and, and, and live this 80-something years, 90, 100 years, whatever it is, my purpose wasn't just to pass through and, and make it through to get on the other side. He put me here as a missionary on purpose to impact everybody around me. And so if that's my purpose, I can't coast, I can't cruise. I have to pioneer. I've shared this story many times, but I remember reading this as a young man about Dr. David Livingston, and when he first went to Africa, he was pioneering a work that had never existed, and he was there for a short time, and the missionary society that he was a part of wrote to him in Africa, and the letter read something like, hey, hope you made it okay. Hey, have you found a good road in yet? Because we have missionaries that are waiting to come once they know there's a good road. And he sent a letter back and said, if they're waiting for a good road, tell them to stay home. I'm looking for people that will come when there's no road at all. When I read that and identified in my spirit, this is who I am. I'm not called to be like everybody else. I'm called to pioneer something so that somebody else can follow behind me. For the Roberts tribe, our value system believes I'm not a settler. We're pioneers. As a family, we understand that, that our calling is to go where others may not go. My wife has a, a favorite quote by Helen Keller, and it says, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Let me ask you, do you have a value that speaks about faith and adventure in your life? For some of us, we just have to put those values in because life can be boring. I was watching yesterday, I like to scroll on Instagram. Does anybody like to scroll? Don't lie. You go to look for something and an hour and a half later, you wake up on the toilet with your phone in your hand. You know it. He's scrolling. Your wife's been beating on the door. What are you doing in there? And I was scrolling and I saw these guys cliff jumping. They were jumping off these crazy rocks and my hands started getting sweaty, Mike. Like I'm watching them scale these rocks to get up 80 and 100 feet and they're doing these full-on gainers off of the rock. And I'm sitting out thinking, I can't wait to take Hunter and jump off some rocks. Now you think I'm crazy, but that's, that's just how I'm wired. I, I want my son to, to see things that seem impossible to others and say, oh, no, 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 I'm a Roberts, I'm a pioneer. If anybody's going to jump off that junk, it's going to be us. What is that? That's the Spirit of God in us calling us to separate and pioneer and make a way for somebody else. I'll tell you a little story. I was uh, 15 years old, and we moved to Mobile, Alabama, and uh, we, we, my parents joined a country club where we could play golf and they had a pool and stuff there. And uh, Me and Joey grew up with a house with a pool, but our pool was most like just anybody's pool. It had a little diving board, but there wasn't much spring to the diving board. Anybody else have one of those diving boards? It, it's there, but it doesn't really work well. It's just a stiff stick. And so we learned if you took your flip-flops off and lifted up and put the flip-flops here, the board would go like this, but it would have twice as much spring. For all y'all that have swimming pools, you should try it. And we learned to do flips and we learned to do all kinds of stuff in the air as, as little kids. And so when my parents took us to the country club for the first time, they had two springboards, like Olympic diving springboards, a one meter board and then a three meter board. 
And we were out there just doing goofy stuff, cannonballs, jackknives, and flips, backflips and stuff. And this lady came and she said, you should join the diving team. I said, the what? And she said, the dive team. We have a team of divers. You guys are great. Oh my gosh. And so we just signed up and she said, well, you have to do five dives off the one meter and five dives off the three meter. And I don't know that I've ever done any crazy flips off the three meter because that was just wild. And so I did, I went up there, I did a front flip, then I did a one and a half, and then I did a backward and I did an inward dive. She said, your fifth dive needs to be a, a two and a half. I said, a what? She said, two and a half flips. I said, I've never done that. So she said, let me teach you how to do it. Nobody on the dive team will do it. So I got up there and she showed me how to rotate and all this stuff. And I remember the first time I ever landed that dive, I would come up out of the water. I was like, yeah, nobody's ever done that. Wow. And I watched the whole dive team get right on the ladder and they all went up. We want to do the two and a half. We want to do the two and a half. You know, that's how God's called us to lead, to do hard things, to make a way for others to see. It's not impossible if you put your hope in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this to you. Don't let your life, don't let your family settle for anything but God's best. I want to leave a legacy for our family of doing what others feared. I want my children to grow up with a spirit of adventure. And I want the Holy Spirit to lead our family maybe, possibly, where others refuse to go. Today, I'm just giving you a few of my core values. I hope they challenge you to write some of yours. Number three, everybody say number three. For the Roberts tribe, we've decided that we're going to be givers, not takers. We're going to live a generous life. We have made a decision before we got married and then when we got married and even since we've had children, our life is going to be a life of generosity and we seek opportunities every day. Somebody say every day. Every day. To bless those around us. We believe that Acts 20, 35 is true and we're applying it in our life. It says, you are far happier giving than you are when you get something. Steph and I made a decision that not only are we going to tithe, we're going to sow seed. I'm going to just tell you this. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a kingdom person, then tithing is part of who we are. It's a value in our system. We know that God has given us the ability to get wealth, and we honor him with the first fruits. Everybody say first. The first 10% off of our paychecks. But we realized that that wasn't going to be good enough for us. I don't want to just return what belonged to me what belonged to him, that we were going to sow over and above that. And so we have a principle. Anytime extra money comes, we sow out of that. Every time somebody gives me a birthday check, hey, happy birthday, here's $25, and it's from my grandmother, whatever, I take a portion of that, and we sow it as seed. We honor God with the first tenth, the $2.50, the first, everybody say first. Your tithe is the first tenth, not the last. We do that, but we want to be over and above generous. And so we, 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 we keep track of our seed. Let me ask you, do you track your seed? If you were a farmer, would you just throw seed all over the ground and forget about it? No, you would plow perfect rows. And you would meticulously place it in the best soil. And you would water it. Why? Because you want the best harvest. So why would we throw our seed just out and forget about it. I want to be reminded of my seed so I can remind him that I'm going to be generous on his behalf. And so we have uh, an app on our phone. It, it's, a, it's a note app. 
And in that app, you can share it. And so for the last five or six years, we've tracked every seed we've sown. If I buy Steve a cup of coffee, I, I put it in there. I had coffee with Steve Hawksworth, 625. I put that dollar amount. And then I see somebody at church and feel like they, they're like, JC is going to go on a trip. And we give JC a little bit of money and say, hey, go to Chad and bless those babies, man. Love all those people. I write that down there. JC, Chad Africa, $25. I, I track it. And I track it. And I track it. Why do I track it? Because I want to remind myself when the enemy tries to talk to me and say, you're not making much of a difference. You're kind of stingy. Or when I see the bills piling up, and at the end of the month, it's like, how are we going to do this? I pull that app out, and I say, oh, no, 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 the Roberts tribe, we're generous. We're, we're, we're generous. We're, well, look at here, devil. Look at you, dummy. I gave 17 times this last month, and I get to remind him, oh, the Roberts tribe, I'm happy. Well, I said, I'm happy. Because he said in his word, it's more happy to give than it is to receive. And I'm going to tell you this. When you decide that generosity is a value in your life, you'll never lack another day. I said, you'll never lack another day. God's too big. You'll never outgive God. Number four, everybody say, he's moving. Number four, we are goers and senders. One of our core values, Stephanie and I met at a missionary school in Oklahoma, and I had been going back and forth to South America. I, I really thought that I would end up living there. And, and Steph had been to India, and we, we met at this mission school. And I realized that God was going to allow us to go, but he was also calling us to send other people. You know, before we moved to International Family Church, in 2016, Steph and I really believed that maybe we were going to the mission field. And so we began to pray about it and ask people. We had both lived in Mexico. I had a, a work that was happening in the Philippines and a great friends and family in India. We were like, Lord, where do you want us to go? And he said, I want you to go to Boston. And I said, I thought we were going to the nations. And he said, you will continue to go to the nations and you will continue to send others Steph and I read a book many years ago, and I would challenge you to read it. It's called The Challenge of Missions by a great pastor in Canada by the name of Oswald J. Smith. And he said, why should anybody hear the gospel twice before everybody's had the opportunity to hear it once? Steph and I now together have been to over 20 nations. Mark 16, 15 was as part of our lifestyle. It says, go ye into all the world. Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and to all. Steph and I believe that God is going to continue to take us to the nations. In fact, we're planning four trips. Everybody say four. We're planning four trips for 2023 for you to have an opportunity to go to the nations and to make an impact. We made a decision a few years ago that we want every junior in high school that comes to IFC before they go to their senior year to have the opportunity to go to a third world nation and come home with a greater worldview. I believe that when we get outside of our comfort zones, we see how big our God really is. And we see how blessed we really are. That happened to me at a young age. It happened to Steph. And our kids are going to know the same thing. That, hey, yes, we're going to continue to go to the nations, but we're also going to send people to the nations. My friend JC is right here on the front row going to Chad, Africa four or five times a year. Just came back from Uganda. This morning in our first service, we just sent my friend Jesse Burns to... Pat, I almost said Madagascar, to Madagascar. 
Madagascar. I really believe that for us, and again, this is one of our values that maybe you need to adopt, that you're going to be a goer and a sender. Number five, I'll wrap it up here as, as we close here. We're, we have made a decision for the Roberts tribe. We are what we call bet the farm kind of people. We like risk. I'm not worried about risk. I, I don't have fear in my life. As a family, we believe that the greatest risk is taking no risks at all. We want to live a life worth writing about. Steph and I are both avid readers and, and we love reading stories about people who made a difference or who made an, an, an impact. People that I would call outliers. People that went against the grain and followed a different path that the Holy Spirit had led for them. And I don't want to just read about it. I want to be written about. I want at the end of my life that my legacy doesn't end when I die, but it actually furthers because people begin to tell the stories about the impact we had on their life. Peter was a crazy disciple. And the reason we read more about Peter than the others is because he took greater risks than the others. As a family, we believe that regrets of inaction will outweigh regrets of action. I grew up with a crazy youth pastor. Anybody else have a crazy youth pastor? Yeah, he was kind of out there. And he would tell us as students, he said, one day you're going to stand before God and they're going to have this big projector screen. And you're going to stand before him and they're going to show a video of all the stuff that you did wrong. I said, is it going to be that big? And are all these people going to be there? Like, that's going to be wild. I, I don't want that video, you know. Is my mom going to see this video? And it was this fear mentality, this scare you out of sin kind of thing. Like, better not do that because one day the film's going to play and you don't know who's going to watch it. And I grew up with that mentality, like, I just don't want to make mistakes, I don't want to make mistakes. And the Lord over, over years said, Josh, you're more worried about not making mistakes. What you should be more worried about is not doing what I did ask you to do. These are regrets of action versus regrets of inaction. We're worried about we shouldn't have smoked that cigarette. But we're not worried about disobeying the Holy Spirit when he told us to minister to our neighbor. We're concerned that somebody's going to find out that we did this, but we should be more concerned about God asking us why we didn't do this. I'm going to tell you this. God's so much bigger than your little pea brain. We're in fear that we're going to stand before him and there's going to be judgment wrought in front of the, in front of the great white throne. I'm going to tell you this. Jesus already took all the judgment upon him when he died. There's not going to be any judgment in that moment. It's only going to be grace and mercy for us. Hear me say that. He ain't, getting, he ain't waiting with the baseball bat up there. That's not the God we serve. He's going to be standing there saying, well done. Good and faithful servant, enter in. Come on in. We've been waiting for you. Now roll that footage. Let's show everybody what this guy did do. I want my kids to be raised in an atmosphere of grace and mercy. That they would incline their ear, as Jen was talking about on Friday night, to hear what he would have them say at three years old. At seven years old, at 21 years old, and at 65, our greatest regrets will be regrets of inaction. Number seven, Steph and I want our family to know who we are 
and who we are not. It's a core value of identity for us. We want our kids to know who God says they are and who God says they are not. Every day we confess the word of God over our lives because we believe as a family that God's word is a reflection of who we should be. And through God's word, we understand who we are and who we are not. James makes it very clear in chapter 1, verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to the word because then you're going to deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But, everybody say but. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting, say don't forget, don't forget what they have heard, but doing it, they will be pleased and blessed in what they do. Listen, I have a value for our family that we're going to find our identity from God's word, not some crazy neighbor. That we're going to look in God's word and we're going to find out who we are in him, not based on somebody else thinks we should be this or that. Right now, society is telling our friends and our family and your children and your grandchildren, just be you, be whoever you want to be, do what makes you happy. And I got to say it to you this way, that's anti-Christ. I'm going to say it into the camera. It's anti-Christ for us to find any identity outside of who we are in him, which is found in his word. And for some of us, our children and grandchildren are wrestling with identity issues because we didn't open up the book and say, you were created in the image and likeness of God, your father, and you have a purpose. Man, I wish y'all would hear me for a moment. If you don't tell your kids who they are in Christ, somebody else will. Some boy, some girl, some crazy professor, some lunatic neighbor, some guy on a job, some girl at sports. Why are values so important? So we know who we are in Christ and we've provided this safety around us when everybody's pushing and telling us who we should be, who we shouldn't be. We can say, hey, I'm just the image of God. I found it in the book and this is who I'm gonna be. Thank you for all your great amens. We understand as the Roberts tribe that not everybody's gonna get us. I'm okay with it. You're never going to impress everybody. Not everybody's going to understand what God's called you to do. And when you find your identity in Christ, it's easy to say, hey, I love you, God bless you, but this is who he's created us to be. Number eight, my final point is the Roberts tribe has got a value that says we know our life is not our own. We realize that we're servants. It's who we are. If we're going to be Christ followers, then I've got to do what Christ did. It says that he came not to be served, but Christ came to serve others. Steph and I and our kids, we realized we were not just bought with a price, but we were made with a purpose. And we made a decision to base, we make our decisions based on his plans, not our convenience. As a family, we understand and value what it means to serve God and to serve people. In Romans chapter 15, this is a verse that changed my life when I was 
preached it at the tattoo shop in Southern California and I was trying to figure out why am I here? Why aren't they coming to us? And all my biker buddies and all my tattooed friends, they don't want to come to church, but they wanted me to bring church to them. And the Lord took me to the scripture in Romans 15. It said, those of us who are strong and able in the faith, we need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Let me say that one more time. Strength is for serving others, not so you can achieve some status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can we help? But that's exactly what Jesus did. And he didn't make it easy on himself. By avoiding people's troubles, he waded right in and helped them out. He said, I took on the troubles of the troubled. That's what the word says. My prayer is today that you were just maybe inspired or I've tweaked your thinking a little bit and I want to give you some homework. That is to write down the values that you have for your life. Not the values you want. Not the values that you've come up with on your own. But go into the book. Go into the guidebook. Go into the foundation. Go into the, to the true source and say, Lord, what values would you have me to live by? If you're a married couple, then you should... Join together and talk about these values and decide them together. And if you have children, you should talk about them as early as you can. Because I believe that the Bible's true. If we train them up, they will fulfill the plan of God for their life. I had a young man uh, at our church years ago, and he was messing around. You could just tell things were off. And his dad called me and said, hey, will you meet with my son? I said, what's going on with your son? He said, oh, this, that, and the other. And he missed it, all this crazy stuff. He said, I think you can help him out. And I said, well, I'd love to. Does he want to have lunch with me? And he said, no, 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 he can't stand you. <laughs> I said, oh, that sounds like an enjoyable lunchtime. That would be awesome. I said, heck no, I'm not doing that. If he doesn't want to meet with me, I'm not meeting with him. He said, no, I need your help. You've got to fix this. I said, me fix it? He's your son. And he said, well, what do I do? I said, well, first you, you call a family meeting and, and you guys eat together and hang out and, and you spend some time together and at that lunch you apologize for not being the head of the house and, and leading your family according to family values. And you ask for their forgiveness and he got this attitude. I said, sir, I said, you've got, you've got to take control of your family. You're responsible. I said, you've got great kids, you've got a great wife. Just own it and say, hey, I've let things get crazy and, and forgive me for doing it. I feel responsible. But today, we're going to get some things in order. We've got to change some things. We're going to begin to get back to our value system and live according to the word. And he said, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. I said, sir, I said, this is, you live with him. I see your son once a week for one hour got all huffy, got all mad, cursed me, and ran off. I left thinking, man, I, I, I made him mad. I, I really did. I thought, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have called him out. I shouldn't have. And the Spirit of the Lord says, it's not your son, Josh. It's his son. It's not your family. It's his family. I saw that guy about nine months later. He came by my office to meet with me. He said, hey, can I meet with you? And I said, oh, gosh. And he said, I should have taken your advice. He said, my son took off. He's gone. 
He's on drugs. And because of the way I handled my son on drugs, my wife has now left. And he's like, I don't know what else to do. And I said, you go back to square one and you start where we talked about nine months ago. You lead your family and set some values. To all the dads in the house, to all the heads of household, maybe you're a single mom. There's a responsibility that we have to set values in our home based on God's word. One day we will give an account. I don't believe in the crazy screen and projector. But I really do believe that we will stand before him and say, what'd you do with those beautiful angels I gave you? And why didn't you set your face like flint and hold your family accountable to the principles that you found in my word? Because it could have gone totally different. And I'm asking you as we close out family month, would you take your role and responsibility serious not only in your natural family, but also in the family of God? We need you. We have a place for you. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Let me just ask you to consider this. And that is maybe you don't have a personal relationship with God, which means your values are based on something different. And today you need a fresh start. You need something different. You need something new. You need... Jesus. Maybe you grew up in a house that's dysfunctional. Maybe you grew up in a scenario that was chaotic. It doesn't have to be that way moving forward. I want you to know God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose and a destiny for each and every one of us. And no, mar no matter how far we've wandered, the door is always open where he would say, welcome home. If you're here today or you're here online, watch it online, by the uplifted hand, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need a fresh start. I need some boundaries in my life. I need some values. I want to succeed. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you just put your hand up, wave it at me, and put it right back down, and I'll pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you forward. I just want to know, who am I praying for today? Who today needs Jesus? Yes, sir, I see you in the back. Thank you for your braveness. Yes, sir, I see you. Yes, ma'am, I see you right here. Right over here. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Yes. Anybody else you want to join these brave individuals? Maybe you're online. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Just tell them right there in the chat box or wave the little hand emoji. Our team will pray with you the same prayer. We're going to pray right here in this house. Anybody else you say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I need Jesus today. Yes, I see you all the way. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. It takes courage to follow Jesus. Anybody else you say, include me, Pastor. All the way in the back, I see you, yes, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, whether you raised your hand or you should have raised your hand, would you pray this prayer out of your heart with me? Say, dear Heavenly Father, today I choose Jesus. Today I declare Jesus the Lord of my life. For I believe that he died and rose again so that I could live in eternity with you. Today, I choose Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that just made that decision for the very first time?